the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is, and welcome back. I was thinking about another part of this Joe Biden quote that was aired earlier this week in an interview he was giving. Um, Bill, do you want to? Do you have the ability to play that Joe Biden from Tuesday once again, just to, for a moment? And so everybody talks about freedom and not to have a to have a shot or have a test. Well, guess what? And so how about patriotism? How about making sure that you're vaccinated so you do not spread the disease to anybody else? Okay. So aside from the assault on intelligence and every scientific thing we know about vaccinations, which is the fact that if you are vaccinated, you can, of course, obtain, attract, get COVID, and you can also spread it. The CDC's first study out of Provincetown proved that. And every study since has proven that as well. What about this other part? I haven't heard anyone comment on it yet, though I've heard a lot of commentary about this. That part where he says everybody talks about freedom, about not to have a shot or have a test. Well, guess what? How about patriotism? Now, we know that Joe Biden has had a very, shall we say, stinted or cribbed view of patriotism for some time to him wearing the mask was our patriotic duty. Do you remember that? This is the patriotic thing to do. Wear a mask. It's the patriotic thing to do. Now it's obviously being vaccinated is the new patriotic thing to do. At some point, I presume, um, you know, uh, complying with his OSHA mandate will be the patriotic thing to do. At some point, he'll come up with even other things that none of us ever thought of as having to do with patriotism being the patriotic thing to do. Everything but what real patriotism is, is the patriotic thing to do when it comes to Joe Biden. And of course, we can't let slip the notion that whenever Donald Trump spoke about what was patriotic and what the patriotic thing to do was or the beauty of patriotism in America, that was considered a white supremacist dog whistle. But there's yet another thing here. It's amazing how many things Joe Biden gets wrong in two sentences and how many big how big these things are. Did you did you catch it? Everybody talks about freedom, about not to have a shot or have a test. Well, guess what? How about patriotism? Did you catch what's going on there? Patriot. What is patriotism without freedom? Is freedom not the wholesale animator of the reason we want to be patriotic? I would accept the answer equality, dedication to equality. I would accept anything that emanates out of our Declaration of Independence, and most people would ascribe or settle it on two two things, liberty, i.e. freedom, uh, and, and, and equality, liberty and equality. Those are the things that have driven— American patriotism up until this interview with Joe Biden, December 14th, two days ago. What is that? Tuesday. 
up until Tuesday, what would be the point of loving a country and having a patriotic sentiment about it if the country was an unfree one or if you didn't have freedom? Do you think they talk about patriotism in China? Do you you think they talked about patriotism in the Soviet Union when it existed? Do you think they talk about patriotism in Cuba? Patriotism, obviously, love of your country and thinking of your country, patria father, as your father. Obviously, you can love your country because it's your country. But people who love their country when it's not a free country, unless they are part of the tyrant class? Have you ever heard of such a thing? Most people born into tyrannies and not into the tyrant class but in the subjugated class have looked to America, not so that they could talk casually or even formally about patriotism, but so that they could have freedom and thus become patriots. When they have marched against their tyrannies, where they have been allowed to, even for bright shining moments, particularly in Asia and the Middle East, why is it they stand with American iconography? Is it because they know Americans are patriotic? No. It's because they strive for equality and liberty, freedom. Freedom is the cause, purpose, and animator of our patriotism. You can't have patriotism without freedom. Do you know what patriotism without freedom is? It is tyranny. It is enforced love of country over and against your own will to love it, like it, lump it, or leave it. That is the point of consent, isn't it, when we talk about the just powers of government are legitimate here precisely because of the consent of the governed and that consent can only come from a free people exercising their liberty to tell the government how they want to be governed? I can't imagine what the concept of patriotism must mean to someone if they think you can have it or should have it or perform it or should perform it on behalf of an unfree country or unfree cause. As he died to make men holy, we shall die to make men free was the was the was was the was the was one of the most animating and moving lyrics of the battle hymn of the Republic when the Union marched against the Confederacy. Live free or die. Give me liberty or give me death. These these were the hallmarks of what made us want to be patriotic and want to love this country, find me the person not in the tyrant class who loves his country when it is an unfree country. And on top of that, if you're going to mandate that we do something federally, if you're going to have a federal, a national mandate, and it's the first time in the history of the country we've ever done such a thing, ever. I don't care how many talking points you've seen from the DNC and the, and, and the media that say that uh, we've, we've had national or federal mandates of other 
with other vaccines. It's not true. It's just not true. Do your do your do your own fact checking on that. It's not. No other president issued a national vaccine mandate ever, including George Washington, who's often said to have done so. He didn't. Not as president. Not as president. He did so when he was the head of the army before we were a country for the army, for the military, not for the civilians. In any event, back to, back, back to my point just a moment here, if I can, which is what when, when, when you are trying to conflate an order that courts have already put a stop to for being unconstitutional, federal circuit courts have put a stop to for it being unconstitutional, and it's obviously novel, even if you don't believe it's unconstitutional, you have to agree it's a new thing, a national mandate. Choose your job or your life or really choose the vaccine in your job or, or, or not. Choose my mandate or lose your job, given that Hobson's choice. That's, 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 not, that's not about freedom and it's not about patriotism. It can only be about patriotism, which is about serving your country or loving your country by loving your fellow countrymen and serving your fellow countrymen and doing the right thing by them, right? It can only be that if, if his view of science is correct, that the vaccine keeps you from spreading the disease to someone else. But that is not just a faulty premise. It's an unscientific false premise. The premise is wrong, and so is the political philosophy behind it. I don't want this. I, I, I'm, I'll tell you why I'm making a big deal of this. I'm making a big deal of this for two things. One is I'm embarrassed that I didn't catch it myself yesterday when we were playing this. I should have caught it yesterday. But the second is I don't want this become, to become the new idea of patriotism. I don't want this to become the new idea of heroism. Absent freedom, it doesn't mean much. I suppose, in Nazi, I don't suppose, I know, in Nazi Germany and in every tyranny, they have given awards and medals of valor and heroism to the people who have served those countries, perhaps in the science or literature or military communities. But it wasn't on any notion of patriotism that we in the West would have ever understood. Their heroism was in the act of protecting a tyranny and destroying freedom. The heroism we esteem in this country, the great things we esteem about our greatness, is because we are a free people in a free country. Some of these guys were real poets, weren't they? That's Jim Croce. Dennis Prager was doing something interesting on his show today. Bill, did you hear your, your, you listen often as much as I do, which is I, – I, is it fair to say that we, we catch at least some – between the two of us, we catch at least some of Dennis Prager every day and sometimes all or more than some? Today he was doing an interesting thing. Um, it, it, it's obviously unique because it's Dennis. It shouldn't be. This one shouldn't be unique. I would. Others should do it too, and I'll I'll extend it. I'll extend the invitation here. Um, 
he was asking people to call in on how um, ba- nearing in on two years, how the experience with COVID or its mitigation strategies have affected their lives. He asked people to call in how their lives were affected by COVID and or its attendant policies. And it was so moving. You know, we had uh, Mike in Maricopa calling in about the Congressional Medal of Honor earlier with his tears, uh, his emotion. You could, you could palpably and tangibly hear thinking about the heroism of the men he was talking about. You heard tears on Dennis's show today. They were a different kind of tear. Uh, they were a different kind of sadness. Uh, loss, obviously, of, of, of friends and family was, was spoken of. But more spoken of on his show today were the callers who were talking about how their lives and families were so split up, disrupted, and divided by the attendant policies surrounding COVID. And if if anyone wants to call in on that, let me offer that extension. Let me let me extend that 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 um, that offer. Let me let me let me give out the number. If you want to call in on that, obviously anything else too. But I thought I'd offer that up as a topic. How is the uh, how have the strategies around COVID or COVID itself changed your life? Six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. And maybe. At some point, I should sit down and think about how they've affected mine and share that with you as well. Um, I, I don't, I'm not hiding anything. I've just been so closely attached to it. You may or may not recall last year I wrote something, I don't know, like a close to, close to a dozen articles uh, for Fox News and Real Clear Politics on COVID. Uh, most of them, if not all of them, uh, co-authored with Bill Bennett. And, um, and I, I, I mean, I, I, so I've been, I, I haven't been just a, an observer on this thing. I haven't just been a recipient or a victim of it. Um, so I, I don't want to just, just speak casually about how it's affected my life. I'd like to know how it's affected yours. And from my purchase, having written about it and spoken about it publicly, uh, for so long, as well as being a participant in it, I'd like to. I, I just want to take a little more, a little extra time in thinking about what what that's what my conclusions are. Um, obviously, the first emotion I feel is sadness over how this country has treated itself, and also I have to say a bit of shock. Sadness and surprise are my first, or my first, uh, or my first emotions. But I'll take it from there. I'd love to hear from you how it's affected you all. Here we go. We'll start here with Howard in Phoenix. Hi, Howard. Hi, Seth. Um, I've never spoken to you before. My voice is cracking because COVID has changed the way we interact. Yes. The way we, the way everything is, is. Not the way I was brought up. I'm a people person, and we're at arm's length now. We can't even interact with one another. Um, it changed the human 
uh, it, it changed the human taxonomy and ecology, didn't it, Howard? It changed the way humans interact, looked at each other, felt about each other, and approached each other. It changed something about humanity and the human condition, didn't it? Yeah, if you cough, if you cough you're aided. Yeah. They want you to take a test. Yeah. It's crazy. And even if you don't cough, you are taught to be suspicious of your fellow American. Don't go into a building with them. Don't dine next to them. God forbid you should be on an elevator with them. And if they're and 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 if they're if they're unmasked, then you know you're in the presence of someone who's irresponsible. And if they are masked, you have no idea what their emotional face is telling you. Right. I mean, it changed really everything we know about human conditioning. (laughs) It's beyond compare. My dad used to smoke in the elevator. <laughs> well, <when I> was... <laughs> it's funny when you, it, you know, some people, some people laugh. I, I just did because of what I'm thinking about. I, there was the show Mad Men, or even if you go back to shows from the 70s and 80s, you see people smoke. Heck, I was watching on C-SPAN some testimony at the UN from the 1980s, and people were smoking over in the United Nations buildings in, of all places, New York City, right, Howard? Yeah. You could smoke anywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, right. that was a change, they made your it? They made your pariah when you smoked. Yeah. Now they're selling pot. They're selling well, that, pot see, that's the interesting thing. That's I'm glad you put put that out there, Howard. This is a very interesting thing. So we're taught... To fear and be afraid of a virus that eats your lungs. That's what COVID does. It destroys your lungs, right? That's what we were told. At least throughout last year, you heard a lot more of it than you do this year. Now it's just some amorphous thing, COVID. Maybe because so many people are surviving it. I don't know if they get it. But but that that's an interesting point, Howard. We were taught about the danger of this thing that could damage your lungs, so what did we in Arizona and in so many other states do? What did 18, 19, 20 and everyone above that age do? By majority instinct, by majoritarian vote, they decided to make more available and more accessible the, a product that when inhaled does to your lungs what smoking does to your lungs. That's what they decided to do. That's what they decided to do. And that not just destroys lung tissue but affects your brain as well. It's a very hypocritical society because it has reversed the taxonomies of what's important. It it has superannuated things that we used to consider important as humans and Americans and elevated things that humans and Americans never would have put up with in a better age, and in a better time. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Do, do any of you have colleagues or, or, or co-workers or whatever that you, you, ha- you have your own language with that there's just no way to replicate <laughs> with anyone else in your life? I, Bill and I have over the – how long have we been with each other, Bill? Tenure? How many? Seven years? Bill and I, over the past seven years, have developed a language I don't think we could use with anyone else, certainly not who we go home to or anything like that. Do you agree? It's pretty funny. All right. But we do understand each other. 
put the, the, the semaphores and the crypt sentences and the code language. <laughs> All right. Um, 602-508-0960. Anything's on the table. But in, interestingly, I'm getting a lot of calls on how impact or the policies around it have changed your life. David and Glendale, welcome. Hi, Seth. Good to talk to you again. This is the computer teacher, David, in Glendale. Oh, yes, sir. Uh, two big areas I think it hit me the most is my mother's 88 now. I lost two years of being able to go see her because she lived in a retirement community. Healthy, but I'm 65 in a week, and, you know, I lost two years of being able to see my mother, which really, that was one of the big issues was for me. But as a school teacher, our kids lost so much. I'm spending an hour every day in my morning, even though I teach technology, I'm working with first graders, tracing and saying their words, learning to blend their vowels, because they didn't get anything the last year and a half. And we've got a generation of kids that are going to be have missed a year and a half of schooling and the socialization that went with it. I had one student that used to be just a jewel to have, after a year and a half with his brother at home, basically, his dad worked all day and there's no mom there, I have this little feral child in my room nowadays. Yeah. So those two areas, and then as your, your previous caller, my, I'm a very, I can be very outgoing or give me a book and some music and leave me alone, and I'm good for, I could die that way, you know? So I understand the sentiment. I appreciate the notion, yeah, yeah. But my wife is a people... We were laughing that as soon as you could take a mask off and you could hug again, you smile at her in the grocery store, you're going to get tackled with a hug. I get it. I get it. Severe emotional. Now she'll be tackled by the security guards. Oh, she'll fight back on them. Okay, good. (laughs) I like. Sounds like sounds like someone whose jib I like the cut of. Yeah, good. Oh yeah, we laughed that she's a better shot than I am with a pistol. She used to shoot pistol competitive, so. My friends laugh. Hold on to that girl. Hold on to that girl, David. Oh, I have 30 years coming up in uh, March. There you go. Can I ask you a question, David, on teaching? Always. I have a few things I keep open on my computer that I just will never let go of because they're part of the epitaph of a Republican form of government. And I just – I hope we never have to write it in full. But if we do, I want to make sure these things are part of it. Uh, Cecily Mayart Cruz is the head of the Teachers Union in Los Angeles, United Federation of Teachers, Los An- United yep. Teachers of Los Angeles. She's she's the union teacher education union boss in Los Angeles. Her name is Cecily Mayart Cruz, and she was interviewed in L.A. Magazine about students coming back to the classroom after the year of closures, and what. I think almost every teacher, as well as every parent, was worried about learning loss. Let me read you her direct quote, may I? I'd love your response. Our kids didn't lose anything. It's okay that our babies may not have learned all their times tables. They learned resilience. They learned survival. They learned critical thinking. And they know the difference between a riot and a protest. They know the words insurrection and coup. Close quote, end of quote. David, um, does this person have any, any, uh, any, any credibility of having anything to do with education of our youth at all? Not in any world that I'm familiar with, no. because those ideas don't even pass the scrutiny of 
being able to be discussed appropriately. I would agree. Uh, kids went at home, and the biggest thing that she doesn't want to talk about is now why all these parents are standing up at school board meetings going, you are teaching my yep. kid what? Yep, 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 yep. They stood and watched the lessons come over these screens with their children, and they're like, what the blank is going on there? Yep, yep, yep. And why are my they, children learning insurrection and coup? And why are they right. at the same time otherwise mathematically or verbally illiterate, linguistically illiterate? We didn't send our children to school for that. We didn't send our children to school to learn insurrection and coup. And uh, what insurrections and coups are, not, not certainly when they're babies, not certainly when they're five, six, seven, or eight years old, we didn't. We did send them to learn math and language skills. We did send them to school for that. We did pay our taxes for that. Boy, I should look up Cecily Mayart Cruz's salary. I'm going to try and find it. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Those lyrics just always just, they're halt. They, they, they stop me in my tracks. Uh, oh, that, that uh, I did do the homework over the break here. Cecily Mayart Cruz, the head of United uh, Teachers of Los Angeles, the head of the Teachers Union in Los Angeles, who uh, said our kids lost nothing. They learned uh, the difference between a riot and a protest. They learned the words insurrection and coup. I was wondering what she gets paid to spout that kind of nonsense. United Teachers Los Angeles her salary is well north of $112,000. It looks like it might be $130,000, but that's not what's interesting to me. What's interesting to me is the uh, total revenue uh, for the United Teachers of Los Angeles, which is $47 million. Just quick math. There are five, there's a 500-person teacher shortage in Los Angeles. They're, lo they're, they're down 500 teachers, teacher deficit, teacher shortage in Los Angeles. That revenue of United Teachers would hire 900 teachers. I don't know if anyone ever puts these things together, but I'm guessing the teachers' union doesn't want us to put it together. Ken is in Phoenix. Hello, Ken. Hi, sir. How are you, sir? I'm good, thank you. I appreciate you taking my call. It's the first time calling in your show. And uh, I, I truly enjoy your monologue. I mean, uh, I... You teach us how to talk to every, something new every single day. Well, thank you, and, Ken. Uh, I appreciate I that. Thanks. Thank you, sir. You know, not to mention, when we talk to callers, you make us feel like we're friends. Well, we are friends. We are friends. You know why we're friends? We're Aristotelian friends. We're friends the way Aristotle uh, understood friendship. Um, friends based on a common interest and a common cause that need no rule of justice in their lives because between us, we, we create our own just society, Ken. We're in this together. We really are. The nonsense over we're all in this together that was spoken about with COVID, I thought that was our country. It clearly isn't, but it clearly is this movement and this radio show and this audience. Thank you for your nice comments. Oh, I mean, I mean uh, thank you. And then uh, I, I wanted to talk about patriotism uh, and how... Uh, how men who who uh, brings it up all the time, like uh, 
like Joe Biden does, and uh, and then you can't even bring him back to all the Americans from Afghanistan. That's correct. Or tell us how many were there. We've now learned that it wasn't a hundred, but it was closer to nine hundred. Yeah, and the allies. I mean, our, and and people that helped us also. I mean, that's now in the sixty thousand range. Last I looked. Yeah, it's 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 it's, it's the saddest thing and the, and the most disappointing. I, and then, uh, if they're vaccinated, though, we can all get over it because it's an act of patriotism, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, that's just another way of separation. He's uh, he's real good at that one. Yes, he is. Uh, uh, but, uh, that's, that was the main thing I wanted to call in about. Uh, you know, uh, I, I just, I wish we could all just united as one. Eventually, I think we will again. Uh, it takes a uniter to do it, and, and then it takes the willingness of the of the uh, of all of us to want to just. You're you're making an important point. Once in a while, I'm just going to put you on hold if it's okay, Ken, because of the background noise. Um, But I think I understand your point. Bill will attest to the fact that sometimes I'll do a monologue and I'll ask specifically that we leave with a song with the lyrics, We Don't Want Your War. It's an old Bobby Darin song. Right, Bill? You, You know how I sometimes ask for that. Because it does seem like there... There are two parts to this country, you just identify them, Ken, that not enough people talk about. There's the people that kind of do believe in e pluribus unum, the kind of people that miss the unity in this country, the kinds of Americans that wish things weren't so divisive and divided. And there's a group of people that seem to want to have a war. They continually talk about two Americas. They continually talk about people with our political viewpoint being outside the mainstream of America. We're extremists. If we're not extremists, we're racists and white supremacists or fascists or supportive of all of those things and the candidates we like. There are people that want to tell us that we have to overthrow systems that have kept us safe and free. Um, whether it has to do with law enforcement, whether it has to do with law and order, or whether, quite frankly, it has to do with whether we are a sick society or not. They want us to be a sick society. We don't think we are a sick society. Or whether we are a systemically racist society, which it's interesting. It's really interesting that those of us who don't think we are a systemically racist society aren't the ones pointing out this sort of thing. But the people who feel enlightened are the ones who keep telling us to listen to them and believe it. I'm going to guess most callers, listeners to this show, until, oh, probably five or six years ago, never thought about race as much as they do now. And not because they were ignorant of racial issues or racial problems in our history or in our country— but because they were doing their best to live by and abide by our founding credos and civil rights laws and legislation and judicial decisions that we were all taught that were based just on, you know, a common belief that humanity is important in what matters, not the color of skin, until we were told by those, no, 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 you don't understand. You have to think about things in terms of race. 
because we are a systemically racist country. And the fact that you don't look at another man or woman, a fellow citizen in this country, as being part of a racial category is proof of your racism. You were looking at your fellow men and women as fellow men and women. And when you told them that, they would say, well, that's the racist thing to do now. It seems like, Ken, they're the ones that want some kind of war. We don't want their war. We don't want their health war. We don't want their race war. And we don't want their war over fascism or over any other foreign ideology they are trying to tell us exists in America. The funniest thing about it is there is a set of noxious ideologies that have stalked human history. We don't have to worry too terribly much about violent and crude and ugly and 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 torturous kings and queens anymore. But we've been well taught to fear things like fascism and communism. Their death tolls have taken maybe upwards of 150 to 200 million lives. And we know that Marxism's death toll has taken at least 100 million lives. And we seem to be just fine with that here in this country. Why is that? Why is it only one war against tyranny the left wants to fight? And it turns out it's the non-existent one, while the rest of this country has grown complacent to their adherence to an ideology with a death toll that reaches over 100 million people. It's a weird place to be in, but they gave it to us, not us. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Ryan is in Phoenix. Hello, Ryan. Oh, Seth, so glad to talk to you. And boy, that spiel you went out at the end of the last caller really segued into what I'm going to say. Oh, so, good. Thank you. Good. Yeah, so, you know those memes you keep seeing online where they say, you know, in the original revolution, we, we gathered in bars and churches and diners or whatever, you know, and that's why the coronavirus is keeping us from networking. Well, boy, my family... And my friends, um, you and I have spoken before. My whole family's in education, right? For yes, professors sir. at the universities in the area. Yes. And over the last two years, because of coronavirus, all of our important family events are gone. Yep. So we've had four of my cousins who had weddings. They had like 10 people at the weddings, you know, for coronavirus mm-hmm. reasons, right? Mm-hmm. My mother died. We still haven't had a funeral. Still have her ashes in an urn. Mm-hmm. And as we speak, I'm willing to bet that funeral is never going to happen. Really? Yeah. The family now, I, I literally am not sure I ever... So when I speak to them now, so because they're in education, they had a year of vacation. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They, they, they've just had the best year of their lives. My life has been destroyed. <laughs> I get it. My son's life has been destroyed. I get it. And now when I see them... Any political differences we had in the past are ten times bigger now. Yeah, yeah. And it's existential become, now. Yeah, yeah. It used to be about differences of policy. Now it's about differences of principle. And now it's like you support what's being done to me. Right. You support what's being done to my son. Right. You support. Like I, I could go over so many horror stories of things I've seen happen to people in the last couple of years, and what I see happening to children. And the simple fact of the matter is. 
these people have been divorced from the reality all the rest of us live in. That's right. They don't know what we've been through. That's right. They, they, they think everybody just had a year vacation. Yep. They think everybody's income has only gone up during all this, yep. right? They think nobody's it's lost the only profession nobody... I know that can walk off the job with a contract and not be fired. Yeah. And, and on top of that, it made it so now the, the gulf between us, like, we would have made up some of this difference sure. at those weddings. Sure, you know I mean? sure. Like, we would have touched base. Every family and, and has some... had those things from years past. You betcha. Absolutely. Yeah. Sisters, brothers we don't agree with. Maybe a family gathering got a little intense. It's made up for yeah. and things move on. It's a little and different the now. Yeah. And the opposite, in a way, in which I would say is that, okay, there's a wedding coming. Yeah. Okay, I really want to go to that wedding, and yep. I really don't want to be on bad terms to everybody. Yep. So, you know what? I'm going to bite my tongue just a little bit more in the yep. months leading up to it. Because I want to be happy, or I want to be happy. There's no Christmas this year. I get Why it. am I going to bite my tongue? There was no Christmas last year. There's no weddings. There's no funerals. There's no family. It's gone. Well, I want to. I, 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 I want to ask you this. I have to go to break, but if you can listen in a little bit longer into the next segment, or when we start the next segment, I want to say something about that too, uh, Ryan. I want to say something about that as well. Um, that's a that it's it's touching on something not not well enough addressed. Thank you for bringing it up. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 